All right. Well, welcome again. This morning, we're continuing uh, the last of our IF series this morning. Who's been doing IF? Yes, three of you. Wow. Okay. That's awesome. The four. Sorry, I missed, I'd missed that hand. I see that hand. I see that hand. Um, so we're continuing in our last series, last week of our series of IF. Uh, and then next week, we'll start on some other stuff. So this morning, we've got... Dan Wassell, Wassell, it's, it's the new improved version of your name to make you sound a little bit posher. Okay, <laughs> it's not the first time I've been called that, but Okay, you've known me for a fair while and That's you should right. probably get it right by now. I should, but I'm not interested. So, <laughs> how, about, how about I pray for you and then you go. Okay, Father, we thanks, thanks for Dan. Thank you for the word that uh, you've put in him this week and just for all that he does around here. And Lord, we just want to hear what you have to say to us. We know that um, sometimes, you know, we hear things so many times they just stop sinking in and we stop hearing and seeing some really important stuff. But I pray this morning there'd be fresh revelation, even in stuff, Lord, that we may have heard before um, in lots of different ways. We pray it'll just be fresh this morning for people so we can know just how much we are valued and loved and how much you're for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Go. Amen. Thank you. No ifs and or buts. First, I want to say, and, and I think the room kind of said it a little bit already. Sorry, Adrian. Um, who's loving this? Yeah, limited. That's what I thought. Yeah, some of us aren't. And to, to be honest, I'm finding it, I, I think that some of the things that he says, he could say in way less words than what he says it. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Like, we, we, we're not prescribing this that you have to then agree with every single thing that he says, oh, this, a senior pastor, a lead pastor told us to think like this, to read this, so we have to agree with everything in it. That's not how we're approaching this. We would hope that you would pray and engage and, and get something from it, but if you don't, that's part of the process as well. That's part of the wrestling and part of the struggle and part of... We don't want you to approach this book like... Hey, do you know what? We don't even want you to approach this book like that. We don't even want you to approach this, but because Adrian said you have to think like, or Adrian said you have to believe. Um, we don't want you to approach this that way, so even less a book like this. But there are some things that, like I said, probably could have been said in a few less words, but, but some really important things that we are going to touch on today. No ifs and or buts. And we're going to read this morning from this book. Uh, from Romans 8. So if you have Bible on your device or you have a physical Bible, we have a, an actual book like this. We're going to read from Romans 8 this morning and we're going to start at verse 34. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The first thing that I want to say in this, and I spoke about this in January, that God is for us, and it was also Adrian's third point in his sermon last week. This is the starting place. This is the starting point for this week, that God is for you. No ifs and or buts about it. God is for you. In verse 34, it says, who is the one who condemns? He asks this question, and condemns, it's essentially, who is against us? Who disapproves? And there's this two word sentence that is so powerful and carries so much weight for us because he answers it no one earlier he says he asks a question if god is for us who can be against us but now he answers that very very clearly no one no one condemns no one condemns in john 3:17 john 3:16 is a very popular verse you talk about god's love the very next verse says this for god did not send his son to condemn the world but to save the world through him did not send it to condemn there is no condemnation no one condemns 834 continues jesus christ who died more than that was raised to life i think this is really really important in this as well the emphasis on more than that so often our picture of jesus is still on the cross that he is still dead the cross is empty Jesus has risen. The tomb is empty. The cross is empty. God has conquered death through Jesus. It emphasizes the resurrection because Jesus has risen and he has conquered death. And to continue, he is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Intercede essentially means, we talk about in terms of prayer and that kind of thing, but really it is to use your influence to persuade someone else. So if you have influence, you may be able to intercede for that, for someone else on that person. They may not have the influence, but because you have the influence, you can intercede for someone else. Is that the right hand of God interceding for us? There's a small word here that I want to draw your attention to, and it's the word also, because he is also interceding for us. In Romans 8.27, slightly earlier, it says, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God so I want you to pay attention to this earlier on so the Holy Spirit is for us the Holy Spirit is interceding for us the Holy Spirit is using his influence for us also Jesus is interceding for us Jesus is for us the Holy Spirit is for us Jesus is for us even if you nitpick here and you kind of say, well, it doesn't say anything about God being for us. It's two on one. The Holy Spirit is for us. Jesus is for us. God is for us. So many other places it talks about God love, God's love. But I want to say this morning that God is for you. And it's so important, so important that you have a picture of God, that that's your starting place, that God is for you. In the book, he quotes A.W. Tozer, and he says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. The most important thing about us. 
flip it around and say it this way, the most important thing about us is what comes to mind when we think about God. Why is that so? Why is it so important that we would have a picture of God that says that God is for us? I'm sure many of you know many stories where someone has a violent picture of God. Now, if you have a violent picture of God, whichever God you happen to be following, how much easier it is for you to commit violence towards others in the name of that God? You think, think jihad, you know? If, if my picture of the Islamic God is that he is angry and violent and against everyone, then my response to that is very easily going down the road of, I'm going to be violent, I'm going to be against others, and I'm going to eradicate the others. But that's not just an Islamic thing. Christians have done this. Think the Crusades. If, if my picture of God is that God is angry and against and wants to wipe out anyone else who's not us, then I can step out into the world and do exactly that. I can justify my violence in that way because my picture of God is that God is a violent God. Therefore, I can respond in violence. He responds in violence. I will respond in violence. But also, if your picture is that heaven and God is only for a select few. If your picture is that there's this select group who's going to get in, then your response won't be to go and share it with others. Your response will be to protect the doctrine. Your response might be to flail the heretics, to kill the heretics. Um, think, think the picketers, you know, think Westboro Baptist. It's like, we are the chosen ones. You aren't the chosen ones. If your picture of God is that heaven is somewhere else, not restoring this place, if your picture of God is that heaven is somewhere else, then why would you care about the environment? Actually, this, I heard this story of a pastor who was challenged about this giant truck, gas-guzzling truck that he was driving and saying, you know, it's so, the greenhouse emissions, everything like that. His response was, well, this is all ending anyway, so who cares? If your picture of God is skewed, then your response and how you live out your faith will also be skewed. If your picture of God is not that God is for us, so on the other hand, if you have a picture of an inclusive God, a God who is for everyone, then how much easier it is for your response to be inclusive of others, to draw others in rather than push them away, to bring them in rather than separate us out. If your picture of God is that God is restoring all of creation, then how much more are you going to partner with Him for the environment? If your picture is that God is for you, then you will be for the other, no matter where you find them or what state you find them in. You will be for them. You, you see what I mean? The impact of this, the impact of your picture of God is so important. And not just for the way that we live out, because also it speaks to our identity and it speaks to our significance and the significance of what we do. It's so important that we get this, that God is actually for you. And not just for you, but God is for everyone. 
for all of creation. That, this is what grace is. That God would be bent towards us. That, that you would already have God's favor. That you would already have God's love. That God is on your side and nothing and no one can change that. No ifs and no buts. Have we, have we reinforced this enough yet that God is for you? Bad luck. Because we're going to keep saying it because this is so, so important. That you, your starting place is that God is for you. It's, it's not the end. Because what that looks like needs to be wrestled over and, and, and lived out in so many different ways. And it's going to be an ongoing journey for us through the rest of our lives. But it needs to be our starting point. It needs to be the beginning. Because it speaks to our identity and it speaks to our significance. Earlier in Romans 8.16, it says, The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It talks about this idea of children many other places. It talks about this idea of adoption especially. Um, that, that God invites us. He chooses us to be part of something that is so much bigger. He invites us into his family and adopts us as his children. So not only is God for us, but we are part of his family. God is for us because we all are his children. We are all made in God's image, every single one. This speaks to who you are and your identity. I uh, heard this about, I was doing some research and stuff like that around identity and this one person said this about identity and I thought it was so powerful um, he said identity involves entering a community to draw strength from that community and to give strength there too and so I love this idea because identity is actually found in community it's not a solo project it's, it's found in Christ but it's also found with others and, and this, like, this is why we do this. This is why we do this. This is what church is and what church is about, that we will be a community that reinforces people's identity, that we see you how God sees you. That we would remind one another, that we would find identity here, that we would draw strength because so often we need it, don't we? So often we need it, but also to give strength because there is so much need. There is so much need. We believe what God says about you. You are God's child. You are God's daughter. You are God's son. And there is, there, there is acceptance here. There is love here. There is grace here. And there is identity here. God is for us. One of the biggest implications implications of this of this significance and identity that is found in Christ is this we need to lose the just and what I mean when I say that is you've all done it you've all heard someone else say it I'm just a fill in the blank I'm just a teacher I'm just an accountant I'm just a student and we use this to take ourselves down to diminish our identity, diminish our importance, 
diminish the importance of those around? No, we need to stop. God is for you and sees your significance and sees your identity. We need to lose the just. We are all significant. We are all children. We are all daughters. We are all sons. There is no just. When I was in year, I, th- I think year five or six, just a couple of years ago, um, it's nice when you're kind of getting old enough to use those kind of jokes. Not yeah, kind of in that border. Anyway, it was a while ago. Um, and what we did, our teacher, our teacher was tired of us using the word then. We would write these giant long sentences and we'd just say then and then and then and then and, and just join them all together, never break it up. And, and he, he came up with this idea. And, and what he did was he took us as a whole class. He said, I'm tired of you using this word, so we're going to bury this word. And he, and he wrote then onto a piece of paper, gathered up the whole class, took us all out, and we had, does anybody know what Newcomb Newcomb ball is it's kind of like a really uncoordinated version of volleyball you catch it instead of hit it it's 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 it, but same deal you have a net you have two teams you throw it over and you catch it we had a brand new volleyball net that had gone in brand new yellow painted yellow posts on either side yellow so we didn't crash into it or something like that probably didn't help but and it, it was brand new the concrete was still wet on the ground from these posts. He took us all out there and he took a shovel and what he did is in the ground he cut like a slit in the fresh wet concrete and opened up a slit like that and and took then on that bit of paper and placed it into the wet concrete and smoothed it over and he said that's it we're not using that word in that way anymore. We buried it. And now, I think that we need to do exactly the same thing with just. Just speaks against our significance. Just speaks against our identity. We need to lose that word from our vocabulary in that way. We cannot use that anymore in that way. Here's what, what's his name? Mark Batterson, sorry. (laughs) If you think of yourself as anything less than who you are in Christ, it's false humility. It's false humility. You say, I'm, I'm just a sinner. I'm just whatever. What it does is it tries to define our identity in the negative. It tries to define our identity in the negative. No, we're not defined by the negative. We're defined by who we are in the positive, that you are a daughter, that you are a son, that God says about you and sees you as significant, that you are a part of something much bigger no ifs and no buts about it you are significant you are important we use it all the time though sometimes we even like and to premise this story i have to say i love our worship leaders dearly i love you and you do an amazing job of leading us in worship but i've heard this from here we're we're just gonna sing no we're not we're we're just gonna pray no not anymore, not ever. This is not something that, that we're just going to do. This is a significant act that we're going to do together. 
No more. We are going to worship. We are going to sing. We are going to declare God's truth together. There's no just about it. This is a significant act that we do together. It's significant. There is nothing insignificant about it. But in the same way, there's nothing that is insignificant about you. You need to live with intention, grounded in your identity in Christ, that you are not just anything. Your words, your actions, your life, it counts. It counts. It's significant because you're daughters and sons of God. Are you with me? Do you believe it? Let's, let's start living like it's true. Let's stop saying it. Something, something about the this, this story of us burying, like it's 25 years later and I'm telling a story about how one day my teacher took me out there. It's almost kind of like a ritual though. And this action tied to this story made me remember and reminded me of this every time I went to do that. Sometimes life gets so busy and so frantic or so depressing that we forget about our identity, we forget about our significance. And so this is part of why we would come here. We go through these actions, we sing, we have communion to remind us to lose the just, to remind us about our identity, to remind us about our significance because everything else in life is trying to tell us a different story so we come here together to speak words of life to declare God's truth over one another to remember through these actions you are more significant some of you still might say though if you knew what I'd done and then fill in whatever it is you've done you may think that you're too horrible for this or you've done too much or or something's happened to you and we try to separate ourselves from that identity that we find in Christ we try to separate ourselves from God a God who is for us because of the things that we've done no there's no ifs in 835 back to runs it says who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword Or you may say, but, but look at this mess. Look at the mess and you exclude yourself from that because of your circumstances, because you think that your circumstances are telling a different story than the story that says that God is for you. In 8.36, it says, for your sake, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Now that is a quote from Psalm 44. And Paul, essentially what I think that he is saying, while he's speaking to our new identity, to our significance, he's saying that, look, suffering is not a new thing. It's actually been part of God's story, the story of God's people for a very long time. That doesn't mean that God is any less for you. Actually, it's, it's often in the suffering that God's people forge their meaning and forge their significance in their life. This suffering is not a new thing. You don't get to say, but. You don't get to say, if you knew. You don't. There are no ifs. There are no buts. 
Paul goes on to essentially say exactly that. No ifs, no buts, 837. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither life nor death, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation. That's a long list. It's hard to say without taking a breath. We will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us? Nothing. Who are we? We are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Your identity is found in Jesus and nothing can change that. God is for us. No ifs, no buts. God is for us. And now more than ever, it seems though that everyone, or at least everyone who's making any noise, any noise in the media or in politics or anything, they are against something. There's very few people who are standing up and saying we're for this, but there's a lot of people making a lot of noise that we are against someone. Everyone is splitting the world into us and them. Everyone is against someone, and as I said, it's all bred out of negativity. We define ourselves by not being them. The ultimate example of this, of course, is violence. They're so different to us that we're going to be violent. We need to eradicate them. Here's the thing that I observe, though, that often the church is playing exactly the same game, that we are defined by the negative. We are not them. They have the wrong doctrine. They have the wrong denomination. They have the wrong music. They have the wrong preachers, whatever it is. And we define ourselves by going, we are not that. Who's going to start the hard and heavy work of restoration, of reconciliation? Who, who's going to be the ones who actually stand for something, who actually stand for people? If it's not us, if it's not God's people, who's going to stand for people? Who's going to say, look, I, there's that side of the story and there's that side of the story, but you know what? It's not black and white. There might be a third way. Who's going to be, as Adrian's spoken about to us in the past, who's going to be the peacemakers? If not us, if not God's people, because God is for them. And if us as his people are not for them, who is going to be? So this, this connection with God, it's hopefully changed us. So, so let's go and change someone else. Now, often in this, we will find, if we want to, we will look for them and we will find excuse after excuse after excuse. And often it's, it's the ifs and the buts that we even use as our excuse in that. Um, there are excuses everywhere. Again, Adrian spoke the other week about uh, Jonathan and Saul um, and, and only having two swords. They could have made plenty of excuses, but they took what they had and they went and they conquered because we are more than conquerors. I hesitate to use that because there is violence in that story and that's not the God that we follow. But, but the idea that we will find excuses is, is right through that story. But sometimes we use the ifs and the buts. So I remember when I was trying to get some of my friends involved in in camps, leading on camps with us, or get them involved in leading youth groups. And I saw so much potential in them. And I was like, I want you 
to be for these people that I'm for. I want, I want more people to come along and lead with the people that I'm leading and see lives change because you have something to bring. But they would say, if you knew, I'm not up to scratch. I can't be a leader because if you knew what I'd done, I can't go and do that. Or, but I can't be a leader. We, we need to stop that kind of thinking. Our identity is the reason that those excuses are meaningless. You are a daughter. You are a son. You are no longer defined by your lack. You are defined by the king. You are no longer defined by your lack. God is for us and we are more than conquerors. So let's start to take some risks. Let's stop making excuses. If our call is to be for others, then love is the ultimate example of being for someone. Let's go and love some people. Our message to others is to lose the just that they've put in front of whatever they are, whoever they are. Our message is to help them find their identity, that their identity can be found in Christ, that grace can be found in Christ just as they are, to show love, the love that God first showed us. So who are you helping to find their identity in Christ? Who are you helping invite into this family to become a brother or a sister, to find identity here in community? Who needs to hear? Who in your life needs to hear that they are not just anything? I'm sure you can think of people that need to hear that, that they are significant, that they are loved, that they have identity and significance just as they are, that God is for them and so are we. So are we. There's no more excuses, guys. No ifs, no buts, no more excuses. We need to go. We need to go and make disciples. As we come to a time of communion, if the ultimate example of being for someone is to extend love, then the ultimate example of that love is to lay down your life for them. This again reminds us, we do this action because it reminds us that Jesus is for you, that the Holy Spirit is for you, that God is for you. And we celebrate this ritual together to remind us that despite all that is going on, that God is for us. We do it together because sometimes, sometimes we need to bring strength for others who need it. We do it together. But, but so often as well, we, we need to draw the strength from the others in this community. So we, we celebrate this together. We celebrate the wine and the bread, the broken body and the blood poured out. There are tables at the side and there is a table at back. We are all God's children and we are all made in his image. And we are all invited to this table. All invited to this table. So I encourage you in your time, to get up and go and remember and bring strength to others or, or draw strength from this community because our identity is found here in Christ with others. Amen?